This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast with Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor. Wait, scratch that. No Matt Connor out sick. Joined by Jordan Mannix. Jordan. How does it feel to fill in for the legendary Matt Connor? You know, I, I've, I've got some big shoes to fill, and I'll give it a shot. But I, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can do it. We'll see how the show goes. Dude, you're filling in for the boss. I mean, that, that's some, uh, that takes some stones to fill in for the boss right there. Yeah, we'll see if he, we'll see if he likes what I, what I do or if he lets me go after this. I don't know. Did fingers you, crossed. Well, fingers <laughs> crossed. Can you still cross them after July 4th? You didn't pull a JPP right. now, did you? I did not. You know, I, I let other people handle the fireworks at this point in my life. I mean, I just, uh, man, you live and you learn. I actually, believe it or not, when I was a kid, had a firecracker blow up in my hand. So um, I have a little experience with that. But luckily, as I've, I've gotten older, I've gotten wiser as well. So, so far, so good. How about you? Yeah, I still have. I'm still scarred. I remember holding a... What are those like long sticks that sparkler? I held a sparkler and I, in my uh, little kid mind, I thought, okay, I burned myself. <laughs> now let's try and cool it off with water. So I got underneath oh, yeah. a sprinkler system, which blows hard water at your hand. And that just made it worse. I also remember when I was, I don't know, like 13, I'm in Southern Indiana and we were on ATVs with some cousins, and we're shooting Uh-oh. Roman candles at Uh-oh. each other on ATVs. <laughs> and I'm looking back, like, what an yeah. absolute idiot! Like, yeah, we're uh, lucky to be alive. Yeah, lucky to be alive. And of course, I had a mullet going at that time too, so I feel like that really checks nice. out. Yeah, yeah, that really checks out. <laughs> I do want to talk some Chiefs and not my terrible hair decisions. Josh Gordon is applying for reinstatement. Josh mm-hmm. Gordon says he wants to be on a team by training camp. Do the Chiefs, who I think still want to take a look at a wide receiver, take a look at Josh Gordon if he's reinstated? So here's the thing. When I, when I first heard this news, it was like same old, same old, right? I mean, Josh Gordon's been suspended, reinstated, suspended, reinstated numerous times since his first couple seasons where he was really good. But I think he hasn't played a full season since uh, 2013, I want to say. So when I first heard this, I was like, okay, you know, this is kind of nonsense, something that I'm like not particularly interested in as a Chiefs fan and don't think that the Chiefs front office is interested in it. But I will say, so there, there's negatives and there's positives to the idea of like a Josh Gordon on your team, right? So from a negative standpoint, like we talked about, he hasn't played a full season since, I think, 2013. He last played in 2019, so he didn't even play last year. And he's only averaged nine games per season in his last three seasons. So, you know, even if you were to bring him on, what are the odds that he would actually make it the full season? I'd say that's pretty low. And that's a pretty significant knock against him. Now, the one thing I noticed, and this actually – Once I noticed this, along with another aspect, I started to think to myself, okay, maybe it's worth giving it a go. So the first thing is, apparently, reportedly, he's been doing tests for the last three months, and he's passed them all. Now, 
that could mean absolutely nothing. Like he obviously has to pass those tests to get reinstated, but it is the off season and he's shown some dedication, you know, at least it seems to kind of stay clean and things like that. So I'd say that's a positive, but the biggest thing I noticed, and this actually really kind of shocked me, he has averaged in his career 17.2 yards per reception. And, you know, I, I saw that and I was like, wow, like, even in the seasons where he wasn't a huge factor in the offense, all of his catches were averaging out to these huge yards per catch. And so something like that kind of got me thinking. I looked a little bit more at his production over the three seasons that we talked about. And he is, again, averaging about 500 yards per season, playing about nine games. And so long story short, I would say – as a camp body and potential roster spot, if he wants to come play for the Chiefs, if it's a thing where he is really open to the idea of playing for a team like the Chiefs, a contending champion, and at least being clean for enough time for the Chiefs to evaluate him, I don't really see a huge downside to simply bringing him in. Now, you know, we can talk a little bit more about, you know, Nikhil Harry and the wide receiver room um, after this. But that's kind of my thoughts. Where, where do you fall on that uh, situation? I would be a huge fan of bringing him in, Josh Gordon, that is. At least seeing what he can do because he's only 30. I know that's pretty right. old for football, but that's not extremely old for a wide receiver. Right. I think there's still obviously a lot of talent. He's not been banged up. It's been yep. the weed. It's not like he's a guy who was perpetually injured, right? It's not a guy mm-hmm. who's not been able to stay in the field because of injuries, because of, well, smoking the weed. Uh, we know mm-hmm. where Patrick Mahomes stands on that, as uh, we saw the Shikari Richardson, how he seems to mm-hmm. be all for letting that go. The NFL is getting a lot less strict when it comes to marijuana. So I, I think that also goes in Josh Gordon's favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the talent's undeniable. Kansas City, they've dealt with a lot of distractions on this mm-hmm. team recently. Britt Reed, obviously, uh, the whole Tyreek Hill saga, that was a, another distraction. Do they want to bring in another distraction? Because it's not just act like Josh Gordon's here and we're, everyone's going to say, all right, let's forget about his past and move on. No. Right. The media, is we're, we're going to ask. We're going to say, do, is he good to go? I mean, Andy Reid's going to have extra questions. The entire team and organization is going to have to answer extra questions. Do they want to bring that in on top of that? My main I would say positive here is Kansas City seems to be very adept at, at, at this. They seem to have a very good organizational structure to where right. they can handle and it's not going to bother them. They can afford to as- absorb the adversity and the distractions and they're still going to make it to the Super Bowl. If there is a team that can handle this, I think Kansas City is it. Tyron Matthew, Patrick Mahomes, the leaders on this team, they're going to they're gonna sit Josh Gordon down and say, you know what, you're not smoking here, all right, pal? Like, I get it. Smoke in the offseason. Smoke when you know there's not a test. I don't care what you do, but not when we have a Super Bowl on the line. So I think right. the Chiefs would probably get that sorted out in training camp, if that were to be the case. Uh, you mentioned the yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I just wanted to say one last thing, too. I mean, because that, that is the biggest thing, right? Is like, it, it's not so much that I think the Chiefs need him. It's that if you were in a situation where – you had put all this investment in terms of time, in terms of game planning, 
round a guy, maybe he comes in and, and he excels, right? Like maybe it's, you know, kind of best case scenario early on and then eight or 10 games into the season, you know, he either, you know, decides personally to leave because of, you know, mental health issues, which again, I totally understand, but it's either that or he, you know, maybe fails a drug test of some kind, even though, again, I don't necessarily think the Chiefs need him. It's that if you become used to having him around and then, you know, right before some big divisional games or right before the playoffs, he's gone, then you kind of lose an element of your offense that you became, you became used to. So I'm kind of with you. That, that's the part that gives me a little bit of pause because I think he definitely has the aptitude and I think he has, you know, the ability to stick around for a bit. But if you lose him at an inopportune time, that might it might be worse bringing him in than just not having him at all. Nikhil Harry is next on the will they or won't they. Nikhil Harry, the former first-round draft pick of the New England Patriots in 2019. His agent says he's requesting a trade. If you're looking at the Patriots' depth chart right about now, a lot of people have him as fourth or fifth with the addition of Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. Do the Chiefs? Should or would take a look at a former first-round talent in Nikhil Harry, or should they say, you know what, if he couldn't succeed with Tom Brady and Cam Newton, uh, I don't want to take a look either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my personal opinion is he, he'd be in a better situation with the Chiefs, right? So obviously, you know, Brady, I don't know, he, he just wasn't, he wasn't as great in 2019 as I feel like people are kind of remembering him. He, he definitely had a huge bounce back year with the Buccaneers. And probably part of that is just, there wasn't a lot of consistent talent on the Patriots, but all in all, he had a pretty rough 2019. So I'm not so sure that to me is a huge knock against him. I, I just think there was a lot of dysfunction in that offense in general in 2019. The one thing I will say is he's, not just been inconsistent, he's been literally non-existent. And so while I think he does have kind of the physical, the tangible traits that you want in a wide receiver, I really question whether he has kind of the aptitude to be successful in the NFL. And I mean, that's really not a knock against him, to tell you the truth. I mean, this is the pinnacle of the profession, Sometimes guys get to this level and it's like they just can't, from a week-to-week basis, digest everything quickly enough and be able to go out there and actually be effective and be confident. I just wonder, you know, if we could get him for, say, a sixth or a seventh-round pick, it's definitely something worth taking a flyer on because he is he is a good-sized receiver. He has good athleticism. He's somebody that, you know, if Veach really liked him coming out, I absolutely could see them trading somebody for him. But if they're expecting anything, I I would say if they're expecting anything more than a fifth-round pick, that'd be a really tough trigger to pull. I I think for most teams, because, again, you know, he really just has not displayed any kind of of impact whatsoever. But I do think, again, I'll I'll reiterate, putting him in a Chiefs uniform in Andy Reid's offense is going to give him more opportunities than he's had before. What do you think? I think a fifth would be too much 
for me, in my, in my opinion, maybe the Patriots get yeah. it. The, the Patriots might get that, and maybe they get a, a fourth. I don't know, just based on what was only a couple years ago a first-round talent. I just don't think the Chiefs should. A six-rounder, I would even be, like, on the fence. I want to see what Cornell Powell has. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, 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 don't, yes. I don't want Nikhil Harry, who has been proven to not get separation. Yep. I get it. Yep. Like, he hasn't had a lot of maybe talent on that New England Patriots team, but he was part of the no talent. He couldn't get separation. Right. He couldn't get open. He's not getting doubled, obviously. So coming here to, to Kansas City, he's getting singled. Well, he was getting singled in New England and put up 300 yards in 14 games. That's mm-hmm. not going to cut it. I, I just right. – is he fine on special teams? Like, I don't want him to take a, a roster spot away from a, a Marcus Kemp or a guy who can also play mm-hmm. special teams just because yep. of quote-unquote potential. I, I, I'm a Royals fan. I know what potential is. I've seen <laughs> Alberto Mondesi. <laughs> Just to me, I I would like to see Cornell Powell get his fair shot. I'd like to see McCall Hardman uh, see if he is going to be part of the future or if McCall Hardman's just a guy. Uh, Demarcus Mm -hmm. Robinson, you know, I I think he's a valuable piece. I don't think Demarcus Robinson has a ton of upside. I think he is what he is. But what D-Rob is is a guy who knows his system. Andy Reid trusts him. Patrick Mahomes trusts him. So, Right. Just to me, throwing in Nikhil Harry because he was a future first or a uh, yeah, past first round draft pick. To me, uh, I'm, it's like a shiny. It's like a shiny toy, but the toy doesn't right. do anything. Yeah, and I mean that that is something you know I, I keep hitting on is you know the fact that I think a lot of people are looking at the departure of Sammy Watkins, and again, not to you know denigrate Sammy, he was obviously super meaningful to the team during the 2018 and 2019 playoff runs, and he'll always have a place in, you know, Chiefs history because of that. But his regular season production and availability, I think people are almost remembering it as if it were something that it isn't. And that's, I mean, he averaged 12 games per season, roughly 525 yards and three touchdowns. And so it's not like we need to, you know, take these risks or trade away draft capital or do all these crazy things to replace production like that. And you kind of hit on, I actually have pretty high hopes for McCall Hardman. I know he's kind of drawn the ire of Chiefs Kingdom, but I mean, if you look at his production, not being the quote unquote wide receiver too, it's actually not as bad as people think. In fact, a few weeks ago, I did a piece kind of along these lines where I took a look at, so the Chiefs were the number one passing offense in 2020. And so I wanted to look at kind of the top five or six offenses and see what was their wide receiver two actually producing to say, are our expectations for McCall Hardman maybe too high? And so I looked at, if I can remember correctly, it was Buffalo, Houston, um, I want to say New Orleans maybe, and then another team or two and either way long story short roughly the average for the second most targeted receiver was about seven to eight hundred yards and about i think 60 receptions and that's i mean mccall hardman last season had 560 yards which again isn't jaw-dropping but i'm with you in that i think unless unless the team feels really comfortable with a talent like josh gordon or feels really comfortable with a veteran like Golden Tate, I do actually think they're going to be in a really good spot this year with Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, and like you said, Cornell Powell. I mean, everything out of 
out of uh, OTAs and, and, you know, things like that is that, you know, Cor- Cornell Powell looks the part. So I'm with you, man. I, I definitely don't think they need to reach here. Who, who would you say you're most excited to see in the wide receiver room that maybe we don't talk about as much? I'd probably have to say Cornell Powell. I just, I don't, for example, I don't dislike McCall Hardman. I think he's an amazing human being. I've had a chance to speak with him. He's someone who actually gives you something. He's someone who cares. I really like McCall Hardman. I think he's a great human being. I, I'm just not going to sit here and say, I think he's all of a sudden going to break out and have over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. Right. I, I just yep. I just don't think that I don't believe that yeah. I don't I don't want to just pander or say stuff just to say it I, I think he's mm-hmm. gonna improve I think he's gonna stay, take a step forward I think people in Chiefs Kingdom though are still gonna be upset because of who was drafted <laughs> after him I think yeah. 750 yards seems to be about where I'd go with him uh, I think he's mm-hmm. probably gonna have the second most yards as a receiver on this team McCall Hardman I think he's behind mm-hmm. uh, Tyreek and then you're gonna have Cornell Powell and, and, and D-Rob. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I'm excited about Cornell Powell, I think he's going to be the future D-Rob. I know that's not sexy. I know that's not what a lot of people want to hear. But where you drafted him was not in the first or second round, right? He's not right. supposed to – you're not supposed to draft a guy in the fifth or sixth and expect him to all of a sudden become a number one legitimate bona fide wide receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Someone needs to fill the bigger body – wide receiver spot. Someone needs to do the dirty work. Someone has to be good at the little things, including blocking. I think Cornell Powell will do that extremely well. I think having D-Rob here for one more year to teach him will lend uh, vast experience to him. So I think the growth of Cornell Powell, to me, mm-hmm. will be something to watch. Who are you most excited about? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, so I've sort of been high on the uh, McCall Hardman train for a while. I mean, I'll, I'll just put it this way. Like, I always kind of think the second year is probably the most, is probably the toughest for guys in the NFL because if you display any kind of explosiveness or, or elite talent in your rookie season, you're going to be at least on the priority list when it comes to defensive coordinators. And I just think, despite the fact that McColl wasn't all pro or anything like that his rookie year, I mean, he did make the Pro Bowl. But he did show flashes that really made you think, and especially if you're a defense coordinator, made you think this guy has the the talent, at least, to be a big factor in this offense. So I think part of what he experienced in his second season was just the fact that there's probably some bad habits that he had, and defensive coordinators were able to expose that. Now, again, his consistency in catching, his consistency in footwork, those are all things that concern me, but I also think that those are things that you can improve. The one thing you can't teach is the type of breakaway speed and really the playmaking ability that he has shown from time to time. So I would say I'm probably most excited to kind of see if he takes that step forward. I'm with you. I'm not expecting a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns. But I do kind of expect maybe in that 750, you know, 60 catch, 750 range, something like that. I will make a comment, too, about Cornell Powell. So you referenced DK Metcalf, and obviously that's always going to be kind of the bane of the McCole Hardman draft pick unless he, you know, turns into maybe more than we expect him to. And I'm definitely not comparing Cornell Powell to DK Metcalf. So please, nobody... 
Nobody take it that way. But I will say, I think Cornell Powell has more talent than where he was drafted. I think he's shown flashes at Clemson that make me think maybe he just wasn't being utilized right. And, you know, I use the DK Metcalf example because if you actually look at his production at Ole Miss, it's pretty mediocre. And and that's actually why I think so many teams pass on him because he had this incredible combine DK Metcalf did, but it was like you looked at his combine and then you looked at his production and his tape and it didn't really match up. And so for me, I look at Cornell Powell as potentially being another guy that, you know, his production in college was a little bit so-so and, and he had a really great quarterback and he played in the ACC, which wasn't exactly, you know, the top tier in terms of week on week competition but again, I just think maybe he's a little better than he was drafted. So I'm with you. I definitely, I think he has the tools potentially long term if he works hard to be a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. So I'm really just excited to see, you know, who steps up in 2021 to tell you the truth. I think that's what's so exciting is there's a number of guys the, that Chiefs fans can be excited about who to look at. To who can make who who can make that next step? Uh, we'll take a quick break on the Airhead Addict podcast with Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Addict podcast with Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor. Of course, Matt Connor's out, which means <laughs> da na Jordan Mannix, Chiefs in St. Louis, STL uh, is filling in for him. I wanted to touch on this on the one-year anniversary of Patrick Mahomes signing that just absurd contract. Mahomes is now teaming with USA Football to host three youth football coaching clinics across Missouri this summer, uh, while his 15 and the Mahomes Foundation has provided grants to 15 youth football leagues. How awesome is it? to have a quarterback who signs a contract that he did and still be like, you know what, I want to go out and help the community even more. I want to be even more of a great guy. How badass yeah. is Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I mean, honestly, man, it, it's it's pretty special to, to not only have somebody that is, you know, immensely talented and obviously has a chance to, you know, set tons of NFL records throughout his career, and hopefully if, Chiefs Kingdom is lucky, bring home another Lombardi trophy or even a couple. But it's also just the way he carries himself off the field. I mean, I think, you know, we've seen obviously with quarterbacks in general over the last few years, kind of that new generation who are, they have a little bit of success and they maybe get a little too cocky and then things go poorly and it's like everything kind of falls apart. You just never you never get that sense with Mahomes. I mean, he really just, he seems like the type of guy you could, you know, sit down and crack a beer with, you know, he's obviously been huge in the community and continues to spend a ton of his free time doing stuff like that, which, I mean, just imagine being a kid growing up in Missouri right now. And, you know, knowing that you're going to get, you're going to get to go to a camp with Patrick Mahomes running the show. I mean, it really is pretty special, man, and, and we're definitely lucky here in Chiefs Kingdom to have him. I just can't wait to see what he does next. I mean, he's been here for what? What, what year is this now? This is going to be his fourth season? Yeah, this is fourth. Crazy. I mean, it, it, 
<laughs> it seems like yesterday it has been. It's going to be his fourth season, and he's going to be here for let's hope decade plus. Yep. It's just awesome. It, we I feel so lucky being a Chiefs fan. The last quarterback I was really happy about was Trent Green, right? Like that's the yeah. last quarterback you're like, all right, we at least have a a chance of doing something in the play. Like 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 I like Alex Smith a lot, right? I I really yeah. enjoyed Alex Smith, but he didn't have the game breaking potential. Every time you went up against Peyton right. Manning or Ben Roethlisberger or any quarterback who was who was better, you just sat back and go, all right, well. They have the better quarterback. We have to have everything go right for the Chiefs to win. With Patrick Mahomes, you're sitting back and go, okay, the Chiefs only lose if everything goes wrong. Right. Like, right. the offensive line was Kleenex. Like, literally everything <laughs> went wrong, and the Chiefs yep. lost. But guess what? They still made it to the Super Bowl. Right. Yep. It, it's just, oh, my gosh. Sorry, I get so yeah. excited talking about it. But oh, man. being on this side of it is amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I joke with, with some of my buddies that it's like the universe reverted to the mean. Like the Chiefs were, you know, because we were decent off and on, right? But it's like there was just so much heartbreak in Chiefs Kingdom for so long that it eventually had to average out to the other side. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. It, it's uh, It's kind of surreal, and, you know, it's one of those things it's like, I try and enjoy it as much as I can while it's here because this might be the greatest generation in Chiefs, in Chiefs Kingdom history. I know one thing that you wanted to talk about, and that's Melvin Ingram or Justin Houston, which I'm sure is going to bring a lot of groans from the people listening. <laughs> Why did you want to touch on these two guys? Yeah, I just think, I mean, Here's the thing. Right now, what the Chiefs have in the defensive end group is Mike Clark, Taco Charlton, Tim Ward, Mike Dana, and Joshua Kando. And I know everyone says, you know, Chris Jones is going to play a lot of defensive end. I, while I do believe that, I'm not going to put all of my hopes into that basket that Frank Clark and Chris Jones are going to be on the edge, you know, 60, 65% of the time. And that's going to solve all of our pass rushing problem because at the end of the day, the Chiefs are looking at the Buccaneers and maybe a handful of other teams as their real competition to get back to the Super Bowl. And all of those teams have, you know, except for the Buccaneers, of course, mobile quarterbacks to the point where they can at least get away from the rush. So the Chiefs have to get better at that. They can't really have the, the struggles that they had last season. And it's hard to know whether you're going to get, you know, a, a bounce back here from Frank, Frank Clark or not, or if he's going to be completely available with this, you know, situation that transpired in California. So outside of assuming that Chris Jones becomes the starter on the other side, I really do think that the Chiefs need to beef up the defensive end group. And so, I mean, the two guys right now, right, that are out there that are probably the most appealing are going to be Melvin Ingram and Justin Houston. Now I get it. Justin Houston, obviously for some people, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a turnoff, but I would just say from a talent standpoint, who would you rather have? Cause in my opinion, there's one guy that I think is still very good. And there's one guy that I'm, I have some serious questions on. So I'm actually kind of curious before I say who I'd rather have, 
which one you would prefer. Oh, Justin Houston. Justin Houston's been better than Frank Clark over the last two seasons, okay? You can take the playoffs <laughs> out of the equation. I understand that because everyone's going to come at me saying, well, did he do this in the Super Bowl or this in the playoffs? No, okay, they didn't have as good of a team. Okay, Frank Clark wasn't the reason why the Chiefs, you know, went to the playoffs. Frank Clark right. was a big participant in why they won the Super Bowl in the playoffs. I'll give you that. That part aside, Justin Houston had had a better two seasons in the regular season than Frank Clark. Uh, you know, I, I don't really understand the complete hate against Justin Houston. Uh, same thing why I don't understand the complete hate against Tony Gonzalez. I've wrote, I've written many an article about why. Tony Gonzalez, while it came off really poorly, the public relations was a uh, he, he did not handle that well. I don't want to hate a guy who did so much for the organization and for the city. Same thing right. with Justin Houston. He signed that huge contract, obviously. Injuries played a massive factor. You know, but he was also one of the faces of the franchise for, uh, you know, a few years. I don't just want right. to be a organization that. Or, or a fan base, I should say, that when a guy gets injured or you know has a huge contract and underperforms, I guess you can kind of say Frank Clark, uh, you run him out of town because then that could be trouble getting free agents. Like I, I think it's a real thing. Is if you're so hard on guys, free agents might say, "Do I want to get just shelled and yelled at and take a beating?" Right. You know, I, I think that could be a real thing. But I just think from an on-field perspective, Justin Houston brings a lot more than some of the unknowns of the Joshua Candos, of the Tim Wards, of the Taco Charltons. Right. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it's funny because there's a lot of people interested in Melvin Ingram. And, I mean, I, I think he's obviously a talented player. But if you just look at his production in comparison to – Houston's over the last few seasons. Houston is clearly better, and they're a little bit different in terms of how they've been used, so that could be part of it, but I'm kind of with you. I mean, in my mind, I almost think Houston is a no-brainer, and I I just keep thinking that and keep thinking that, hoping that potentially we'll be able to get him on a pretty team-friendly deal because he is getting a little bit older, and it it seems like at this point, I mean, we're – you know, getting much, you know, we're, what are we, a uh, month outside of the preseason? It doesn't sound like some of these guys left on the market have just tons of offers bidding up the price on them. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. Justin Houston is definitely the one that I'd like to see. I mean, at this point, I think the Chiefs have about $8 million in cap room. Maybe they get a, a deal done with Tron Matthew that lowers his cap hit in 2021 and gives them a little bit more space. But I think just for the price, Justin Houston might be the no-brainer. Jordan, before we go, you talked about cracking open a cold one with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> if you were cracking open a cold one with Patrick, what's your favorite Boulevard beer? Because I know you live in St. Louis. Are you from St. Louis or do you currently live in St. I, Louis? I'm from Kansas City, so I, I grew up in Kansas City. So uh, you okay. know, Boulevard was kind of that was one of my introductions to uh, the craft beer scene. So they definitely have a, uh, they have a special place in my heart. So I don't have to fight Uh, you is what you're saying. I don't have to come in. You're not one of those Bud Light or Budweiser dudes. Yeah, oh, definitely not. No, no, no. Yeah, I would say, so, you know, the funny thing about Boulevard, actually, um, I've always kind of said this, is probably my favorite. Every time I have one of their, their, 
monthly smokestack series, those are usually my favorite ones. So something like uh, they used to have this wheat wine style ale that they no longer uh, make that I really enjoyed. And um, they also had a, a Spring Bell Saison. I don't know if you remember that one from probably five or six years ago. And so, I don't know, maybe maybe Mahomes could pull some strings and we could get some of those beers they don't make anymore. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm a big Boulevard fan. Definitely Casey at heart, but uh, the job in school took me, took me to the dark side for a few years. I'm going to say this. Tank 7 is one of the greatest beers in the history of mankind. Uh, yep. Berry Noir, one of the, the new sours they have, I think is just absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Huge yeah. fan of the Berry Noir. Uh, I don't know if anyone's had the Boulevard Kiwi yet, but it sounds extremely interesting. I, I have not. It sounds... Yeah. I've been seeing a lot about the Boulevard Grapefruit, and everyone keeps talking about how great that is. And I'm like, all right, but I'm not a grapefruit guy. I actually like Kiwi. <laughs> so I'm extremely intrigued by the Boulevard Kiwi. If you've had it, please let me know if it's worth my time grabbing it. Uh, you can tweet me at HomestretchKC. You can find Jordan Mannix at Chief in STL on Twitter. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for filling in for Matt Connor. You filled in for the boss. You did a great job. <laughs> I tried, man. Glad glad it was decent. Uh, well, Jordan, what do you have going on next? I know you're on AirheadAttic.com. Do you have any articles, yeah. anything coming up that you're excited about? Yeah, man. Um, it's, you know, unfortunately it's a little bit of that dead season, but, uh, definitely pushing out, you know, mostly once a week, pushing some stuff out, probably look at kind of the roster makeup and see if there maybe are some holes we could address in free agency, but getting down to the wire, man, season's, you know, preseason starting a month away. So be here before we know it.